residential and family life programs, and then we went to summer camp for the kids. And by July, I was through, <laughs> or at least exhausted. The pastor didn't allow through, but at least exhausted. And I'm sure many of you were as well. But we have had a very active, probably one of the most active years that we have ever had in the community in this church. And people who live across the street from us actually know who we are. Uh, they come and visit. They come and say, we want to go to your school. We get, you know, they know who we are. And that's a blessing for us as well as for them. Now, in order to run those programs, what do we need? We need funds. And we need those funds um, to support our activities in the community, to support the variety of things that we have chosen to do under the leadership of our pastor and the church offices, we need to be able to support those activities because we cannot be a one-time church. This cannot be our only glorious year. So therefore, we need 2014 to be another good year and another year full of great programs and ways that we can share the love of God with our community. Now, um,
I do not know just why he came to love me so but he looked beyond all of my faults and he saw my needs I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me He looked beyond all of my faults and saw my needs. I shall Do I got to do something? 
Is it on? I'm good? Okay, there it is. I think we ought to say amen again. I think we ought to say amen one more time. Thank you so much for that selection. And I thank Jaleesa for her music as well. I've, I've learned that there are students at Oakwood, class of 93, 20 years ago. Praise the Lord. I love Oakwood. And Oakwood produces some excellent people, as you could hear. I'm also a graduate of Andrews University, class of 2000. I, I have fondness for Andrews as well. And we praise the Lord for your musical ministry today. And then I learned that Fundy, I believe your name is, uh, Loma Linda, yeah. uh, that, that truly is Christian education, Seventh-day Adventist Christian education at its best. And we praise God because I know it makes God pleased when, when his children are learning of him. For the Bible says in 3 John 1, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. It is good to be here with you today. I bring you greetings from the Nevada Utah Conference where I serve as departmental director over several departments. And it's hard for me to believe that this is my seventh year of doing this. This is the year of Jubilee, Kai. <laughs> it's the year of something, but we, we pray. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that. Okay, yes, I did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but it's really good to be here with you and to share this Sabbath with you. Uh, I'm, I was reminded why I enjoy being here so much. Uh, the camaraderie, the music, the fellowship, the everything has just been extraordinary. And we, we praise the Lord for an opportunity to be here. Watching the video, this has indeed been a hard-working church in 2013. And I praise God for your ministry. One thing I would, I would hope you would do, someone in here would do, and if you need help to know how to do it, I'm more than happy to say it, but we have this thing called the Pacific Union Recorder that goes throughout the union. And I think some of the things that have taken place here should be in the Pacific Union Recorder. I think the other 50 plus churches in our conference should know that there's something going on at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. And just several weeks ago, I was here at the Greater Than Youth event, the Youth Rally, and seeing the ministry that took place there and the hard work of Jez just just made me smile on the inside for I knew I know that our young people and their future especially in this church is in good hands and I praise God for your youth ministry that takes place here 
And there are a few people here. I, I, I especially want to say something, and I'm, I'm careful about this because I, I just took some cold medicine. So I'm a little groggy. So I'm going to forget somebody that I probably should say something about. In case I forget you, Jesus loves you, okay? And when he comes again, you will go to heaven and you will not remember this at all. So praise God. Think on these things. <laughs> but I'm grateful to your pastor for the invitation. He, he asked me, when could I come in 2013? And I gave him two dates and I said, pick one. So we picked them both. And I've been here both of those Sabbaths. We praise Jesus for that. And we've already scheduled for next year. And, 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 and Dr. White, who serves on the executive committee, I really appreciate her tenacity and her voice and her standing up for what she believes in. Brother Forbes with the cool hat on who, who reminds me that my wife is my better half because he does not call me Pastor David or Pastor Hall. He calls me Brother Connie. And I, I appreciate that so much reminding me that, that it's all about Connie. I just go along for the ride. And uh, the good Brother Rawls, I appreciate you sharing the ladies in your life each year for summer camp, for they are very instrumental in our conference-wide summer camp. Angela and Maya, I appreciate you ladies more than you could ever know. You, I'm gonna get emotional, so I'm just gonna stop. Thank you, and thank you for sharing them. I know it's hard being away from the ladies for a solid week, all by yourself, but somehow you survive. Praise God for your sacrifice. There will be a crown, star in your crown in heaven, I'm sure. And then, uh, tranquility. In my office at home, I have a note that was written by you. And I have one of those pushpin deals, you know. So I just look at it. Every day when I sit at my desk at home and I do work, I look up at it. And that was one of the most thoughtful things I had ever received in my life. What you said, and it just, I remember when my secretary read it, she, she, cause she opens my mail. That's what she does. So she handed me the mail that was open and she was crying when she saw it and I saw it and I waited for her to leave. And then I shut the door so I could cry too. <laughs> so I didn't want them seeing me cry up in the office, you know. I had to shut the door and they heard noises. You all right, Pastor? Yeah, I'm fine. Allergies. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I do have allergies. Yeah, it was a cry allergy. <laughs> but I, I look at that every single day and it reminds me, yeah, I work hard. I work very hard but you reminded me why I do. And that, I appreciate you. And I wanted you to know that. And lastly, if you don't mind, because 
I don't get here that often. Brown family inspires me tremendously. Michael, you are a man amongst men, and my admiration for you grows every time I see you. And just spending time with you during a rough period in your life, you showed me what faith in Jesus. I thought I had it rough sometimes. You've shown me something, as has your wife, Erica. And I praise God. I praise God for Erica. When I look at her, I know there is a God in heaven who saves, delivers, and heals. So I praise God for this church and all that you do. And I am very grateful for an opportunity to be here. Just as a side note, um, I am also prayer ministries director for the conference, and uh, we will have a prayer ministries retreat conference-wide. It will be taking place in Las Vegas, so folk from across the conference will come here. We thank the Paradise Church for housing it. It'll be January 31 through February 2. Our keynote speaker is the Pacific Union Conference President, Dr. Ricardo Graham. And our facilitator is the Pacific Union Prayer Ministries Coordinator, Karen Martell. It is $20 for one person, $30 for every two that attend. If they are not already there, there are registration forms available, and we would like as many as possible to attend. And just before I get into the sermon, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the young lady that has been my partner in ministry, the love of my life and my best friend. We have been married for 20 years, six months and eight days. And she drove in the wee hours of the night from Reno all the way to Indian Springs. And she pulled over at the Shell gas station and said, David, I can't go anymore. With an hour and a half left, she did that so I could be somewhat rested for today. And Connie, We got 20 years down. Let's go do another 20. I'm very glad to be here today. Some of you may, may know that this past Sunday, December 22, marked the two-year anniversary of a very significant surgery that I had. And this, uh, <sighs> two years ago, we didn't know if I was gonna live or die. This past Sunday, marked the two year anniversary, Connie. I remember you told me 
when the nurse came in to talk to you all, she had that look on her face like he didn't make it. And you told me you were nervous, but then they led you to the room where I was. And although I was sleeping comfortably, I was alive sleeping comfortably. And all 2012, I went through intense rehab. Never stopped working, but went through intense rehab. And 2013 has been one for the record books. But two years later, the pain is almost gone. I went to the doctor. He gave me what he called a clean bill of health. He said, now don't lift anything over 25 pounds. I said, I'm good. I don't have to do that. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Now I got an excuse when I don't feel like doing anything. I said, remember what the doctor said. David, the trash need to be emptied. Nope, nope. Remember what the doctor said. <laughs> it's not 25 pounds. Well, it could be. Got to remember. Praise the Lord. But I'm just grateful to Jesus to be alive, number one but to be here and to be able to worship with you on this, the last Sabbath of 2013. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn to the book of Philippians? And I just want to look at three verses today. Philippians, the third chapter. I want to look at verses 12, 13, and 14. Philippians chapter 3. And I want to look at verses 12, 13, and 14. And I will read from the New King James Version of the Bible. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Our sermon title is a bit unusual, but for those of you familiar with New Year's Day traditions, it it will make sense to you. A little later on, my wife asked me early this morning, what are you going to preach on? And I told her, she said, what are you going to do with that? I said, well, let's just wait and see. So I invite you to pray with me as we talk on the topic, pass the peace. Pass the peace. Let's pray. Jesus, it's time. This is the moment we have been waiting for. We have worshipped you 51 previous Sabbaths of this year. And this is the 52nd, the final Sabbath of 2013. 
We have blessed babies. We've prayed. We've had tremendous baptisms. We have sung your praises. We have even given back that which was rightfully yours. And now it's time. One last time this year to hear a word from you. Lord, you know what we need to hear. So I pray in the name of Jesus that somehow, some way, you'll use this preacher with a bad cold and you'll, you'll speak through me and let some man, some woman, some boy, some girl get a little taste of heaven today. Bind the devil and loose your Holy Spirit in this place. We give him the authority to take control over our bodies, over everything, so that when we leave this place, we will truly be blessed, for we have been in your presence. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you believe we are about to enter 2014. Where has the time gone? Does anyone here remember how we used to talk about Y2K? Some 13 years ago or 14 years ago, worried about what was going to happen then. It's kind of silly now when we look back at it, but do you remember the panic of back then? You realize children who were born at the turn of the century are now either in the eighth grade or seventh grade and they're preparing to go to high school. Where has the time gone? It is 2014 upon us. I look personally and it seems as though I just, or Connie and I, we just had a baby. And now our baby is six feet tall. And he's a senior in high school. And in six months he's graduating. He has a driver's license. He actually drives a car by himself. He hasn't crashed. Praise the Lord. Where has the time gone, Connie? Our, our son will be in college. That's who I need. Believe me, because the Lord got to pay for it. <laughs> Where has the time gone? And how do we look at this year that's coming upon us? The optimists will stay up until midnight to see the new year in, full of excitement of what the future may hold. The pessimist stays up late too, just to make sure the old year goes out. <laughs> but when we look at 2014, when we turn the chapter of our lives, we see this as a year fraught with new opportunities. It's an opportunity to start all over again, to have a clean slate, 
as it were. And, and, and I'm sure that you have a few things that you would like to do in 2014. You probably have some personal goals or professional goals that you have written down somewhere or at least it's in your mind. I have some goals. I got some things I want to do next year. You should plan ahead. I wrote them down so that I wouldn't forget that I actually want to do them. I'm going to tell you five of them. These are my five goals for 2014. Number one, make sure my son graduates from high school. That is very important to me. I got his report card in the mail yesterday, and I looked at it. It wasn't all I wanted it to be, but it was enough for him to graduate. Hallelujah. You know, some people say I want my kid to get all A's. I don't. I got all A's when I was in high school. It was cool. He's not getting all A's. I'm okay with that. I want him to graduate. When June 1st comes, I want him to have that funny little hat, that gown, walk. I want him to say, David Solomon Hall Jr. I want him to shake his hand. I want to snap a picture and be done. So my goal is, David Jr., I, chemistry, I'm not helping him with it because that's not my spiritual gift. But the God of chemistry can give him wisdom. So I'm going to point him to God and say, God, give him wisdom. We got one more quarter of this thing. Let him get through an algebra two. Hallelujah. <laughs> Number two, start on my doctorate or work on my doctorate in family ministry from Grand Canyon University. Number three, Connie. I'm going to start my book this year. I've been writing this book for 15 years, and all I have is the title, Don't Hang Up Your Harp. I actually typed it out, and I wrote on the manuscript by David Solomon Hall Sr. That was three years ago. I hadn't gotten any further, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a line for it this year at least. Might even write a paragraph if I get inspired. Thank you, Jesus. Number four, my goal for 2014, I'm going to eat healthy. <laughs> Straight face. I'm going to eat healthier. Connie, fruits and <laughs> vegetables and grains and all that food group stuff that you try to get me to do. I'm listening to you. This year, you have my word on it. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why he told me to write that one down. <laughs> and number five, visit the four states that I have never been to. Arkansas, Montana, <laughs> North Dakota, never had a need to go, and Alaska. Out those are the four, Connie. I want to hit all four of those this year. We're going to do it, too. Jesus help, he increased the bank account. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I got, I'm sure there are certain things you would like to accomplish in 2014 as well. When the new year comes, we think about all those types of things. Maybe it's a, a religious goal. 
I'm going to read the Bible all the way through this year. Maybe it's a health goal. I'm going to join the Y. I did that once. I never went, but I joined. <laughs> so I thought that was half the battle. Then I realized I just wasted a year's worth of money. But maybe some people say they want to join and actually go. Some people set business goals and some set spiritual goals. The new year is a great time to turn the page. It's also a great time to turn the page on some of the things you should put behind you. And that's what we want to talk about today. The passage that we looked at, uh, the passage that I read from Philippians is one of those perfect passages at what we could accomplish as we look into a new year. There are five things that I'm going to talk about that we could learn from Paul in this text. Let's understand where Paul was. Paul is under house arrest. And his time on the earth is short. He has spent a lifetime preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he knows he is just weeks from being beheaded. Yet in uh, the next verse, he is able to say, or the next chapter, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He, he, he is able to say, and my God shall supply all uh, my needs according to all your needs according to his riches in glory. But he's able to say this stuff from the prison, knowing that he and his head will soon no longer have that connective relationship because a big dude with the sword but he was able to write these three verses as he prepared to turn the page in his life. And there are five things we can learn. Number one, we all have an imperfect past. We all have an imperfect past. Have you ever wished you could get in the time machine set it back just a few decades <laughs> and correct some of that stuff that you've done. I look back at my life and people look and they think he got it all together. If only you knew what it took to get it all together. There is embarrassing stuff. I wish I could get the Clorox, get them Clorox wipes that you always want me to clean with, Connie, that I just leave in the closet. I, I, I wish that we could get those Clorox things and just wipe stuff off. And, and the bad part is, see, I got a 17-year-old son. So, Dad, back when you were my age, or, or no, this is the one he's saying. This junk make me mad because I'm 43 years old, okay? He says, back in the day. I'm like, ain't no day. It's still my day. What you talking about? Back in the day. Well, you know, he said, Dad, you know those shows at Nick and Knight? What was it like when they were really on TV back in the day? I'm like, shut up. Are you not going to see your day? Back in some day. 
but he asked me those questions, you know. So, Dad, when you were, and how did you handle, did you ever, have you ever, did you, would you, could you, and I don't want to answer. Tell him, you know, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, son. It's been cast in the sea of forgetfulness. Jesus has forgotten. I have to. Let's move on. But when we look in our past, I'm sure there isn't anyone here that can say they have nothing they're ashamed of. Paul was no different. He had a pretty ugly past. He, while he was sitting in there, probably had a lot of time to reflect on all those Christians that he was responsible for killing. Stephen getting stoned, all the ministry that could have gone on had he not stopped it. And he did all this stuff in the name of the Lord. You know there are people who think they're doing the Lord's business that shut things down. They throw stones and they think that what they're saying and what they're doing is benefiting the kingdom when they have no idea that they have become possessed. I'm going to say it that way, Connie. They become possessed by a spirit that ain't Jesus. And they start acting like somebody that ain't God. And they do it and say things. Oh, do you have a minute, dear? Let me just tell you. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, David. Stop, stop, stop. I'm going to tell this story because it just popped in my head. There was this girl. She was 15 years old. She came to me. She said, Pastor, I'm not going to church no more. I looked at her. I said, okay. And what did she want me to say? That's nice. <laughs> she said, I'm not going anymore. I said, why not? She said, the people there, and she described it, and I thought, and I thought of the church she went to. This was a long before I came to this conference, because no one in this conference is this way. So this was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm talking to her, and she described the people. And, and we talked, and she crying, and I said, you know what? give it a chance. She went to church and I said, you know, wear your best because you always wear your best for Jesus. And she wore, what, what do you call them, a skirt. And uh, come up here. This is my knee. Okay. And her skirt was like right here. There was this much between knee and skirt, I guess you would say. This much. This is her telling me this. She walked in the church because the chaplain of her school told her that Jesus is accepting. She walked in with her skirt. She didn't even make it to the front door to go sit down. And a nice seasoned woman whose hair reflected the season. <laughs> Just wanted to share with her that we don't dress like that here. 
Girl hadn't been to church in weeks. Her parents said, okay, that's what you want, okay. Chaplain of her school, give Jesus a chance. She walk in, don't even get to hear Jesus saves. She saw me that Monday, told me what happened. She cried, I cried. She said, I'm never going back. And what could I say? You should go back. Why? I wouldn't have wanted to go there. They might have said pink ties are funny. <laughs> what you wearing that for? Some of you might be thinking that too. Okay, it was the only one I packed, okay? That's why, just in case I didn't pack. Uh, okay, I packed a green one, but I, it wouldn't work. I don't want to say that that way. There are things that we say and do that we regret that we may have done in Jesus' name in retrospect. When we see certain things that are ways that our children may have responded to what we have done, and then we look back and we wonder why they aren't with us now in a building like this. There are a lot of regrets. Paul sat there and had regrets. He was a religious guy. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an up-and-coming religious leader. He could quote all kind of scriptures because he memorized that stuff. And could he ever keep the Sabbath holy? He'd kill you if you didn't. <laughs> literally but he could keep that thing holy but as religious as he was it didn't keep him from having a past that he didn't treasure you might have grown up in church you might be involved heavily in your church you may even be a church leader but you have an imperfect past it's imperfect because of the presence of sin in your life and there's no way to get around it but that brings us to our second of five points we don't have to be a slave to our past we don't have to let the past dictate what our future is going to be Paul could have said look I put people in prison I killed brothers there's no way God could use somebody like me. But he insisted after his conversion, he, he insisted after God brought him from where he was to where he is, he insisted even though he was on the road back to Jesus, he insisted God is not finished with me yet. And that's the kind of mindset that we need to have in 2014. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. 
We ought to have that humble attitude. We used to sing when I was younger, humble me, humble me, oh Lord. I, and I thought it was a cool song. I didn't know what it meant. You ask God to humble you, he'll humble you. He'll take everything you got away from you. You think you got it going on, got your car, got your house, can't even you got it. He'll take both of your cars and your house from you. And you sitting there living out your car and you got to go baptize people on Sabbath. Yeah, I said it. God will do certain things for to you. You say, humble me. Don't think you got it all going on. I used to think, I used to think, yeah, Connie, I was a straight A student. I was smart. I still am. <laughs> Say no was. <laughs> I, I used to think I had it going on, you know. I had one little operation. Okay, it was major. I have trouble remembering stuff. My mind was what I thought. I, I could memorize stuff, you know. I, I used to could preach and memorize the whole thing. I still get into a little bit, but I have to go back to the notes because I forget stuff easy now. Stuff just be leaving my mind. I went downstairs and I said, now what am I here for? And I didn't want to walk back up because as soon as I get to that top step, I'll remember and I have to go back down again. So I just stood there. I looked at my cat. I asked him, I said, what am I down here for? <laughs> he looked at me, meow. <laughs> I said, well, I know that, but what else? And then I couldn't remember, so I went back up. As soon as I, oh, yeah, that's right. And I turned and forgot. And I said, forget it, I don't need it. Stuff just be happening to me. You know, I, I, I don't remember when you think you got it going on. Life has a way of reminding you that you don't. Paul said he still had a ways to go in his relationship and his service with Jesus and he wanted to strengthen his circumstance or strengthen himself despite his circumstance it's sort of like a marriage I've been married 20 years 6 months, 8 days yeah I keep track not because I'm like oh boy but because I'm in love still in love and I tell, when I do this counseling thing to couples, I tell them, I am a Connieologist. That is the study of Connie. You don't mind me saying this, Connie, and I'm not going to look at you when I say it. Connie is three days older than me. When you look at her, <laughs> they're like, what you doing with Grandpa? Because she looks so good. And I look 43. But in my coniologistness, I got, I, I'm working on a PhD, a EDD, or a DD in this thing. And I, I'm still at associate's level. 
because it's a different thing every day, and I don't know what to do. One day it's this, and I'm like, yeah, but then the next day it's something. <laughs> but I, I don't know what to do. But I want to get better at this Connie thing. I want to be the best husband I could be. You know, the other day she asked me, do you love me? I was like, oh boy, what did I do? <laughs> I was thinking, did I do something to make her think? And so I said something like, well, yeah. She said, you hadn't told me. I said, well, Connie, you ought to know. I'm still here. We still, you know, I love you. We this, we that. She said, but you need to tell me. And I wrote that down, tell her. Because <laughs> we get off the phone and she says, love you, David. I say, okay, see you. And I hang up. So now when she calls, love you, David. Love you too. That way I get it in every day. She don't have to ask. Connieology. We ought to be Jesusologists too. We ought to not have our relationship stagnant, status quo, where Jesus has to ask us, do you love me? I hadn't heard nothing from you in a while. I miss my time with you. We ought to tell him every day, Jesus, if you don't pray nothing else, you ought to tell him, Jesus, I love you. Amen. That make you feel good when somebody tell you that they love you. My cat tells me he loves me. He hop up. Whenever I come home, he's right there at the door. I go sit down. He sit right next to me. He looks at me and says, Meow. I look at him and say, I love you too. And he just put his head on me. I feel like all is right with the world. And then I can turn on NBA TV and be glad. Me and my cat are basketball fans. If I can feel good with my cat, if I can feel good with my wife, then I understand how Jesus will feel if I just tell him, I love you. I don't have it all together. There are times when we may find ourselves in prison like Paul and we say it's not worth it. There are days when we want to just give up. There are days when the praise team come up here to sing and we ain't feeling it. There are days you can be in the praise team and you're not feeling it, but it's your week. So you sing, and I really love the Lord. And you, I really can't wait till I sit down because I'm having a rough time. But be like Paul. Realize that it's not too late. And our circumstances don't need to stand in the way of our effectiveness for Christ. Number three, number three that you can get from that text. No matter where we are now, our current circumstance, you can still move on to better and greater things. Don't let time constraints hold you back. I said, 
I want to get a doctorate. I'm 43 years old. And I asked myself yesterday, I said, David, just say you get it. You finish this deal, okay? My goal is to do it in the next seven years before I'm 50, okay? I get it and I'm 50. Not saying 50 is old because I'm approaching it quick. So it's not. Don't ask David Jr. though. He'll say the opposite. But what I, I asked myself, so I get it at 50. Why didn't I get it at 30? Why didn't I do this at 40? And I asked, is it too late for me to be effective? Is it this? How can I benefit God? How many years do I have with my bad heart? With, and I, all kind of stuff, and the devil be talking to you. And he just, he's he not an encourager. So he started telling me stuff, and I got depressed in my own head. And I said, well, I'm not going to do it then. I'm not going to even try. What's the point? Devil said, gotcha. No matter our current circumstances, Paul teaches us that we can still move on to better and greater things. Paul is in prison weeks from the chopping block. So what does he do? He said, while I'm here, I might as well write another book of the Bible. Philippians. <laughs> let me write Philippians. And while I'm here, let me encourage some people. He could have just sat back and retired. He could have said, I done enough. Let me wait to die. But he said, no, no. As long as I got breath in my body. He took seriously that text that I love so much, Connie, that says, let everything that have breath Praise the Lord. I remember after my open heart surgery, I'm lying there in the bed, and I remember I dropped the ink pen, and I couldn't even get up to get my ink pen. I couldn't walk back then. I couldn't do anything. I'm just sitting there. And, I, and the devil said to me, David, you useless. Look at you. You can't walk. You can't talk. You can't do nothing. You're helpless. You this, you this, you this. And I was just thinking to myself, what could I do? What good am I? But then people started coming to look at me. Apparently that's why they came. That's all they did. You ever notice when you're in the hospital, people just, they don't talk. They just stare at you. You're like, what? I got something on my face? What is it? Then you got to use the bathroom and you don't want to get up with them there. And you just, well, maybe you have to because you need help. But, oh! I couldn't stand it, but I, I would smile, and I tried to say, if all I can do is smile at them. When they said, your blood pressure is so high, and they had to keep pumping me with needles, and they were really concerned and made all the family leave, but somebody of 20 years didn't leave, she said, that's my man. She stayed right there. If he go, I'm going to see this thing. So she was right there, and they pumping me with all this stuff, you know, and doing this, and they say, how you feeling? <laughs> I couldn't tell them. So I just looked at them. I said, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Count it all joy when you go through trials and diverse temptations. I didn't know how the story was going to end, but I knew it was all good even in the midst of the circumstances because I knew I wouldn't by myself because I got a I got a God who walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I'm his own. Yea, though I walk through 
through the valley in the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why, David? Because thou art with me. And as long as thou is with me, I don't need nobody else. preach hard today because I'm sick I'm sorry keep my promise wasn't that he was under house arrest didn't matter that he was an old man didn't matter what his current circumstance was he took seriously Psalm 34 verse 1 which says from the living Bible I will praise the Lord no matter what happens I will constantly speak of his glories and his grace. That leads us to number four. Number four or five, almost done. Number four, moving on only happens by intentional, determined effort. Say it again, David. Moving on only happens by intentional, determined effort. That means... You don't just do what's convenient. You don't just do what's easy. What comes naturally. Sometimes you got to step out of the box. Sometimes you got to challenge yourself. Sometimes you got to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't say that often. Okay? I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to share this with you. You will not believe what I'm about to say. You're going to think I'm lying. I am an incredibly shy person. And I hate getting up in front of crowds. That's how I grew up. And I wanted to go into accounting. Because I figured I could stay in the back, crunch a few numbers, mind my own business. Didn't have to talk to people. People didn't have to talk to me, except for what was on the paper then I could have a mode of conversation. I didn't have to generate it because I have a hard time with small talk. I, I grew up with low self-esteem, so it really, so I just wanted to blend in the background. Jesus has a sense of humor. I said, Jesus, I just want one of these background jobs. I don't want any of this upfront stuff. He came and called me to some ministry in 1988. In 1991, I told him, no, nah, I'm done. I'm not doing this. He came back seven years later, said, this is what I want you to do. I'm like, God, come on. I was like Moses, you know. <laughs> Have imperfect speech. He, he didn't send me no errand, no. He said, no, nah, you're going to do it. Next thing you know, I'm traveling all over the world. Three weeks ago, I was in Australia preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two weeks from today, I'll be in New Zealand preaching for camp meeting, the full nine days of the camp meeting in Rotorua, New Zealand. I'm like, what is going on? Don't let your internal fear and your circumstance keep you from what God has. You got to make intentional things. Paul said, I, I count myself not to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, I press 
which means I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. Come hell or high water, I'm going to keep on going. Even when it look like I can't make it, I'm going to crawl. I'm going to crawl to the thing. I'm going to crawl to the thing. I had, woo I had, I, I put on Facebook. I'm feeling good right now. I had on Facebook pictures of me from two years ago because I had what is called a walker. Okay, because I couldn't walk. And they were trying to teach me, reteach me how to walk. And all I had to do was like walk from here to that wall. That was all I had to do. And I remember I took the first three steps. I said, forget this. I got back in the bed because I couldn't do it. Second time I tried, I almost fell down. They caught me. And I'm thinking, will I ever be able to do this again? Devil said, you're not going to do this. Lord said to me, you're going to be preaching in Milwaukee in two, weeks, two months. I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know. I never canceled the appointment, but I couldn't even walk. I didn't tell them that, though. God said, you're going to do this. And I remember, Connie, because I just looked at the pictures. You were right by my side, and I got on that walker. You said, come on, David. You said, you can do it. I didn't fall down. I said, uh oh, look at this. Then I got a little swag to me, you know. I was like, yeah. Took four steps. I didn't even do nothing, but I was, I was ready to. <laughs> I got this thing, but then I almost fell, so I grabbed it back again, you know. And I, and I walked. And the nurse said, I think that's enough for the day. I said, no, I think I can make it. Well, she said, you know you're going to have to walk back. <laughs> so I just turned around and went back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I said, we can try again tomorrow. <laughs> Baby steps, Rome wasn't built in a day. So the next day, I took it just a little bit further. And I kept on. And I kept on. And Connie, you were right Mm. Mm. hardest time ever in my life you were right there I had all kind of junk hooked up to me and that was the spot and I was just like the little engine that could I think I can I think I can I think I can I think I can I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the cool part, I walk back too. Moving only happens by intentional, determined effort. So you got to look beyond what it is. You make your mind up, you going to do it? Do it. Do it. Amen. Be like Nike. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Go get you some Nikes if you need some help, you know, and then you can just do it. If you set a goal, and if the goal was given to you by Jesus, you can do it. 
I don't care what kind of prison you may be in. You might be in the prison of having no money. You can be in the prison of having no job. You can be in the prison of being in bad health. You can be in the prison of nobody liking you, having no venue to do. But if you step out on, woo, you step out in faith and you believe, can, can, can I just add one more thing to it? The children of Israel, the Lord told them, I want you to go to the promised land. This is my favorite thing here. And, and there was this one little problem called the Jordan River. Now, he had parted the Red Sea, but he didn't part the Jordan River. He just said, walk across. They could have said, God, there's a river here. We know you can walk on water, but we're not you. Okay? But he said, walk across. And my Bible says that as soon as their feet touched the water, the water began to part. They took a step, woof, a step, woof, a step, woof. So God told me to tell you, just take a step, woof, take another step, woof, take another step, woof. And if you take those steps, God can move that river. He can move that thing. He can move that prison. I have seen it for myself. I know what God can do. He can take Connie, a little nobody, nothing from Cedarville, New Jersey. Mother was 14 years old when I was born. They said he ain't gonna be nothing. Had family members, didn't even finish the 10th grade. They all quit when they were 16. People, alcoholics and whatnot. They said he gonna be just like them. Now I'm going all over the world telling people about Jesus. Number five, I got to quit. I got to quit. Number five, the goal is worth the effort. The goal is worth the effort. Paul calls it a prize. Not a paycheck, but a prize. When you focus everything on Jesus, you win. You win. You may not be the richest person, but you win. You may have problems, more problems than solutions, but you still win. How can you win? How could Paul win when they were about to cut his head off? Paul knew the rest of the story. He is like Paul Harvey. He knew what the rest of the story said. Yeah, you might take my life, cut my head off, all of that, but there's not a period at the end of this sentence, which means the end is just dot, 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 the ellipsis thing, which means there is more to come. God told me to tell you to press toward the mark of his high calling. Press toward that prize because when you get that prize, mm, 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 mm. people set their goals and they say, this is what I want to reach. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. 
I want you to set a goal you want to reach. But I, 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 I don't want you, I, yeah, have some, uh, some earthly goals because you need to do something while you're down here. Don't just sit. But I want you to set this one goal in particular. Can you play something for me? I want you to set this one goal in particular. I want you to set this goal called heaven. I want you to, I don't know, draw a picture of what you think heaven's going to be like. Type it out what heaven's going to be like. Put that thing on your refrigerator. Put it on your bathroom mirror. So every day you can go somewhere and be reminded of what it is you're working so hard for. So you can be reminded why you're going through all this stuff you're going through. Because the devil doesn't want you to get there. And he's going to do everything he can to hold you back. But greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yeah, the devil come and talk to me sometime. Hey, wait, he talked to me all the time, telling me what I can't do, what I won't do, what I'm unable to do. He even tell me now, see, 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 I got one of these things in my car called a handicap sticker because I'm handicapped, okay? And the devil said, you never going to preach again. It used to be up until just a few months ago that I couldn't walk from here to there. I had to stop in my sermons and sit down because the pain would be so much and I couldn't breathe. I don't think I sat down yet today. Devil said, you're not going to be able to do this. Angela, you remember at summer camp how big my feet had swollen up my legs. I was struggling. That was just July. Tell me what God can't do. You step out in faith with him. God, devil will tell you all kind of stuff. But I had to introduce him. I said, Mr. Devil, since you right here, Lucifer, Satan, devil, come here, come here. Let me introduce you to somebody. And as soon as I said the name of my friend, poof, he was gone. He fleed or flew or whatever it is. He was flown. I don't know. He was gone. All I said was my buddy Jesus. I didn't even say Jesus. I just said, and he was poof because he knew what was coming. Somebody in here need to say, because if you just say that, I got to quit. I got to quit. There's this thing that people do when a year is about to end. Again, another one. When they're about to turn the page, they have these good luck rituals. There are a lot of things people do for good luck. The gambler thinks that blowing on his dice, gotta help him get a seven or whatever else he wanna get. People want to rub somebody that good things are happening with. Maybe if I rub you, some of it will come off on me. <laughs> I used to go fishing with my great-grandma. 
pause. The last time I fished with her, she caught 105 fish. I caught five. I stopped going because I hate to lose. But I went with her, and she was catching fish, so I went to her spot. And she'd go where I was and start catching them. And I'm still sitting there, and nothing happening. <laughs> we do all kind of things to get luck. Some people wear rabbit's feet. Some people put dimes on their ankles. On New Year's Day, it is said that a healthy helping of black eyed peas on your plate, bring, it guarantees good luck. Now, ever since I was little, my great-grandmother raised me. She was from the South. We had black eyed peas every New Year's. And she told me, you better eat them. I used to didn't like them. She said, you're going to have bad luck. I didn't eat them one year. I ate them every year since. <laughs> People laugh at the custom. They say, ain't nothing to that. Yet they serve black eyed peas anyway. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> African-American, black people especially choose this because they say, or it was taught, that if you didn't eat black-eyed peas, you would go back to slavery. That's where it started from. So you had to eat the black-eyed peas.